0: that police badge wedged between patinaed leather flipped open for the hundredth time, that bone-handled switchblade born in the harsh reality of the northern tundra, or that great-grandfather's gold watch hidden for five long years up Chris Walken's ass. A character's prop is like their coat of arms, that definitive detail that delivers more history, more humanity than any amount of exposition could ever achieve. It is backstory, it is philosophy, morality, ambition, it is what gives a character life in its most honest, elementary form. And it is the prop master's job to analyze and create this honesty, to help embody a character as thoughtfully as that of the cast themselves. And as our guests for this episode discuss, the key to building a believable prop lies in good research and better preparation. That it is the meat and potatoes that make the meal. That the recipe for truth is all in the details.
1: Hello, and welcome to Podcast and Crew, brought to you by Circus, Canada's most sustainable HR platform for the film and television production industry. And if you aren't already, make sure you're following them on all the social medias. This week's episode is sponsored by the Creative Industries Pact and the First Weekend Club.
0: We are filmmakers and film fans interested in the jobs and philosophies of the film industry from the view below the line. My name is Scooter Corkle, your host for
1: Podcasting Crew, joined by my co-host and producer, Corey Orban. Today we are joined by Aaliyah Naiman, daughter of the dynastic prop-making Naiman family and a kryptonite-wielding prop master in her own right, best known for CW hits like The 100, iZombie, and of course Smallville. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's
0: Nayman. Oh boy. We're also joined by Dean Irletson, prop master, author, and on a first name basis with just call me Jack Nicholson, known for his work on iRobot, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Wolverine, and Bad Times at the El Royale.
1: So without further ado, let's get into it. So, Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Should we start by you guys introducing yourself, maybe yourself? Ali, if you don't mind your name, what you do. Sure. We know you're from Vancouver. <laughs> born and raised.
2: <laughs> Aaliyah Neiman. Um Obviously, I work as a prop master in the film industry, uh, mostly working in TV. Started off, actually, my very first show was with Dean, mm. but uh, probably been doing it since I was 16. Oh, wow. And was around it since I was nine.
0: Wow. I guess you can do that when you were born and raised in Vancouver.
2: Born and raised in Vancouver. Yeah. Parents had a prop making company.
0: Yeah. I am Marsha.
2: I am one of the very first ones in Vancouver, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I met Dean. Hanging yeah. on my mom's leg when he would come in. And. <laughs> it's true.
1: And then you put her to work, eh, hey, Dean? Yeah. Yeah. And if you could tell, uh, just, you know, kind your name, you're also a prop master. Um, also a, a child labor
3: <laughs> <laughs> advocate. I didn't apparently. know she was that young when <laughs> she was working. Uh, she- I'm. Dean Eilertsen. I'm a prop master. Um, Didn't start out as a prop master. Started out living in Montreal, starving artist. I ended up being a scenic carpenter. Eventually had my own shop. And ten years of doing that and living out east and not being from the east, I finally decided I needed to move. And the choice was Toronto or Vancouver. And Vancouver appealed to me a lot more. A film called McCabe and Mrs. Miller was one that really appealed to me.
0: That's pretty famous, sir. a production. So
3: uh, I came out here in 86. Uh, a friend of mine was a producer on a show called Airwolf, <laughs> and they needed a prop guy, not a construction coordinator. So Airwolf was my first prop master gig. <laughs> not as famous a production. No. Airwolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's come
1: up in this podcast once before, because I think Airwolf is actually what brought Reno out here from
0: Calgary. Yes,
3: Reno indeed was on airwolf. Oh wow. Yeah. Definitely.
0: The property master. Um, which is a pretty cool title, I think. Yeah. As far as a job is concerned. It's a Not property master. Not a lot of people master. get
1: master in their job
0: title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to be a... doctor props. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. can <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be master doctor props. PhD right. props. Um, what does a property master do? What do you, how would you describe it in your own words? Oh,
2: hmm. Let's see. Okay,
3: my definition is any mm-hmm. anything handled by an actor on screen is really the simplest explanation like if we were doing a scene here i would be taking cues on what you're doing in your coffee cup and mm-hmm. what the headphones are like or what these mics are like it's it just it's a way of dissecting and getting down to what i call the smaller brush strokes where a production designer mm-hmm. is sort of the broader brush strokes or mm-hmm. a set decorator will do the walls and the treatment and the carpet and the furniture, but I think when we get in there, you just have people sitting around until you actually start giving them things to do. You, you animate the scene, so it can be as personal as your computer, your watch, your eyewear. Um, yeah, It's just the details that drive everyone else nuts
2: it is it's the things that people don't want to think about that we have to think about and you ask the questions that no one wants to ask because it's complicated and they just look at you when you're like well how many times do you think that you're going to want to throw that bottle how many times do you think you're going to cut into that cake oh i don't know but that those are the details they matter Mm, to us right i think dean just did a big scene with food and that's always a big nightmare for props i hate food yeah food scenes honestly (laughs) every prop prop person's nightmare is food it it just it it's actor allergies actors complaining sometimes it's also it's just the resets Mm -hmm. you know christmas meal probably one of the most uh, thanksgiving turkey yeah at the (laughs) last
3: at the last minute yeah plus lobster yeah that's right
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it, it it's tough but it props is also a little bit weird and different in that it's not it is what the actors touch and it's animating the scenes, but it's also, it requires a lot of communication because it's a lot of crossover with a lot of different departments.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: You know, um, so it requires communication on who's going to do what because set deck sometimes will do it or it sometimes falls on us. Um, But license plates are props, Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't really think, so you'd think that's transporter. So it's it's quite broad, I would say.
0: We were talking about that too, is like, you know, you guys sort of coordinate and or work together and or fight over who owns what gag. Yes. <laughs> with like set deck, with costumes, um, with like an armorer, mm-hmm. um, with transport, as you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and what other, like, is that just a gray area uh, or is that something like there are definitely things that land in your um, pocket or, you know. there,
3: There is sort of a, a set of rules mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I follow.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, but there are crossovers, and whether it's with set dressing or the costume department or the viser, vis, effects vis effects department, yeah. or special effects department or stunts, mm-hmm. if our prop is involved in that, mm-hmm. then you know you have to have meetings with those people, and it's, it's sort of a coordination of who's doing what and what's responsible, and and stunts very often. Okay, you have a gun. Well, okay, do you need a breakaway gun? Do you need a rubber gun? Do you need, Mm
4: -hmm. you
3: know, this sort of thing? So same with knives, same with crossbows, same with weapons of any kind, swords. I mean, it just goes on and on. And Mm -hmm. there's certain areas, I don't know, that I don't really get involved with, if I can help it. I think we are supposed to be a part of the art department. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, we have a hierarchy of production designer, set decorator, prop master is sort of how it's structured. Um, there's many things you start discussing very early in the show. If there's a color palette, mm. that color palette resonates across a lot of departments, including props and costumes and people. It can be the way the sets are painted. So you have to be aware of that. Yeah. And then it's really gets down to just reading a script like everyone has to. You have to do your breakdown. You have to do your budget. Yeah. Um, You have to sort of very quickly understand what your big brushstrokes are. What are the real important key props that are being talked about? If they involve designing and building, then that's something I typically would get on right away. Yeah. Uh, The rest of it is a lot of research. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver is not a great place to prep a film out of. (laughs) I spend a lot of time on eBay, uh, you know, Google, everyone thinks Google, but you have to be able to cross check Google for facts because there's so much information out there. Um, You have to sort of discern yourself. What's what is factual? What isn't?
1: Well, and maybe that's a, a good time to get into that. Like, what does your research process look like if you're doing a period piece or if you're doing something like maybe a sci fi piece? And it has to be of that cohesive story world
2: actually just speaking of research I actually have always thought this and I've always wanted to say this to Dean because Dean really did train me in this Hmm. Dean was the first prop master I worked for and I'm really grateful that it was Dean because his attention to detail has always been spectacular. And I remember, and this was research when we didn't have internet <laughs> and you actually would go to the library and you actually had to do, and there's research companies you could reach out to that would. Now it's easier, obviously, with the internet, mm-hmm. but Dean would research everything and it was incredible um and it was a lot harder then than it is now oh, yeah. I, I mean truly
0: like now it's you've got the internet but oh. then you had to do, do oh, you, you hire somebody to do that research for you or was that you on the ground boots on the ground doing? no it no
3: it's combination yeah. i mean if you start a show and it's supposed to be based in seattle well the first thing you're going to do is buy a seattle yeah. yellow pages yeah because yeah. you're going to be dealing with seattle-based businesses to get seattle kind of things right whether it's the takeout coffee cup or the cab tops for cars or Hmm. getting in touch with the police department to try to get pictures of what their uniforms are like because without internet you haven't got that
0: yeah It's Um, that you went with the yellow pages too is like obviously it's the yellow pages that you would get first i would never think well but that's what we did that's (laughs) That's, that's what what we did now it's
2: the internet but back then like as a buyer you would you would look in the yellow pages like you would be looking and you'd cold call companies and you'd be looking it was it was very different than Mm -hmm. it is now in some ways i would say almost now maybe a little bit more difficult because expectations are probably greater Mm. i mean you know it it's also can benefit in that you have Amazon and you can have something here in two days if you can't find it locally. So it, yeah. it, but it, I don't know. I think it's, um,
3: double-edged sword.
2: Yeah. A yeah. little bit.
3: Hmm. I, I would say one show well, it was reindeer games. We were supposed to be upper peninsula, Michigan and dealing with prison systems and right. all kinds of stuff. So we, I actually found uh, he wasn't from that area, but he was close enough, and we hired him, and he was uh, from art department. We needed to know everything. Like, what are the gas stations look like up there? And you get pictures back, and here's a skidoo at the gas station just driven (laughs) off the road, of course, because it's Upper Peninsula, and they get dumps of snow during the winter. And then the prison system, like getting in touch with the prison system and actually getting a manual sent to you that every prisoner is issued when they go to serve their time Mm -hmm. and just getting down in those sort of layers. The granular details of the story world. Yeah. Oh, and what you're allowed to wear in prison, like no camouflage, no colors that would associate you with gangs, no this and that. Well, All of this stuff is in in that manual. yeah. Yeah.
1: What's that? And
0: is that a lot of that in the script already? Or are you finding no. those details no. out and bringing them to
1: producers and directors? Yeah, you're just like interior prison, Michigan. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, okay, what does Close. that mean? And then you're like,
2: oh, <laughs> now we have to do the work. Okay, so no. what does that look like? Yeah. What guns do they have? What belts do they have? What badges? I mean, that then turns to us. Right. Yeah. Costumes is obviously a yeah. huge one as well. With something like that, you'd work with them. But yeah, it's it's pretty much you read the script and then you do the breakdown and. I mean, obviously, some directors have very specific ideas of what they want. Right. Uh, sometimes they communicate effectively and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm.
3: But other times you bring it to them yeah. and they're it, it adds mm-hmm. to what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, if they are trying to make it as believable as possible and it it could be something they're sort of stymied with and, and suddenly you give them the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, they would do it this mm-hmm. way or this right. is the protocol or right, right. That's perfect. Okay. Next script revision, suddenly something you've come up with, like <laughs> with Ron comes yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there exact was, there Ron, was yeah. one show. It was was it Wyoming, and they were going to hang somebody. Okay, and so I'm talking to the director, and it's sort of like, okay, well. I've done a few period shows, and sometimes in the day, there would be an executioner that would travel from town to town. Not every town has an executioner. And during that period there in Wyoming, I researched it. There was an architect who had come up. He was a very religious man and came up with a system where there was no executioner to pull a lever you actually stood out onto the platform and your own weight tripped a switch wow. and a bucket full of lead shot would spill out and when it emptied, the latch would trip and you'd hang yourself. Whoa. Oh, wow.
0: And it was, it was
3: uh, Tom Horn, I think the, he was the sheep rustler or whatever, he was one of the last to get hung that way. Really? And the executioner didn't put enough weight on him to break his neck, and he ended up hanging for 20 minutes.
1: Wow. That was intense. So intense that we're going to take time out real quick. Here are some words from our sponsors. Hey, guys. Corey from Circus here. How many Star Packs do you fill out in a year? How many pages are they? Now multiply that by all the people who work in the film and television production industry, and you can quickly see how we get to tens of millions of pieces of paper. That's why Circus is digitizing the Start Pack. Circus is an encrypted onboarding platform that lets you invite cast and crew to submit payroll and residency docs, upload inventory lists for kits, and execute deal memos, all from the palm of your hand. Paperless. Try today at circushr.com. Are you part of a creative industry, an advocate for
0: sustainability? Well, check out creativeindustriespact.com. The Pact was developed to reduce negative impacts and accelerate a cultural shift towards sustainability within creative industry organizations. It is a voluntary pledge to work toward common goals, lead with a collective industry voice, and inspire widespread action. Facilitated by the Greenspark Group. Check out the good work they do at creativeindustriespact.com. P.S. Circus is a signatory.
1: Do you love supporting Canadian cinema so does the First Weekend Club which focuses on the first weekend of a theatrical release and you could join them sign up for your chance to be in the know about Canadian films you'll get access to exclusive giveaways video interviews invitations to special members only events and much more the best part membership is free at firstweekendclub.ca so join the club and become a Canadian film champion today hashtag canadian film love am i right that's hashtag cdn film love. what what were you having to do the hangman news that was
3: uh, the jack bull with uh, john badham directing right yeah but who was the news for that's that's really what we want to know <laughs> john kuzak uh,
0: we won't talk about why you were taking over the uh the noose wrangling um
2: Probably being a sailor, good at knots. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty well. laughs> yeah, really, eh?
0: I think that there's an interesting piece here, too, with the, the collaboration between departments. And even talking about that, like that's probably within a stunts realm with a lot of the rigging, but then you're potentially putting the noose over some of that rigging? Or how did that work?
3: Yeah, the well, the, the noose itself, the stunts and, and effects had wound a a wire down the triple twist of the the line itself. So they had a pick point and a harness. Mm-hmm. So the big fear is you don't want it, too much slack. Otherwise you literally put the actor on the noose instead of on the wire. Mm-hmm. And you don't want not enough slack so that you see where the pick point is and you give away yeah. the gag. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fine combination of collaboration there to get it mm-hmm. done.
0: Yeah. And I I guess kind of going back to the research process, um, I find that really interesting is, you know, what does that collaboration look like between departments when you are doing, when you're bringing certain research on, you know, the noose of this case, um, but then working with, you know, art department and their research and working with special effects makeup and their research. Or, hey, set deck, your chairs are wrong for the period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well. Well, just how is everybody sort of bringing those...
3: Research they elements should. to the table. Not everybody
2: I mean, does, but they should. Yes. Yeah. The,
3: the conversation about the hanging process on that show I had had with John Badham directly, and he said, Well, let's you know, do some research on this. Let's find out what it's about. So I come mm-hmm. back and tell him, It's Wyoming. This is how they did it. We're in the right time period. This is how they would have been hanging this guy. And so then I had to make that public to the art department who had already built the gallows. Oh, no. (laughs) And I sort of got cussed at for opening my mouth and I'm sitting there going like, well, I'm sorry, but I've got three weeks prep. You've had six weeks. I'm sort of embarrassed that it's the prop guy that is having to tell you this already. You should have been researching this yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's not a personality contest, but you do try to get along with people. Yeah, I
0: guess that's the gray area too, right? It's like the you know, you have six weeks, you're still in the art department, technically. Um, and there should... It seems like the the research that's going there, there should be somewhere that you give everybody all of your research elements just so everybody knows the different options
2: and things like that.
0: It just seems silly that it would come in so late.
2: There should be, but it doesn't always... It doesn't exist. ...work that way. And, you know, there's some art departments that are just stronger than others. And lots of times, I think, you you know, if you have specific ideas, you are spearheading it. And you kind of just have to do it yourself. And mm-hmm. lots of times... We have more direct communication with the directors than, I mean, a production designer has a lot of, obviously, direct um, right. art right. directors, depending on the art director, not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but Dean and I also come from, Dean's in feature, more feature world where I'm more television, which is also quite different. Right. I would say the whole research, I mean, art department, you do have to rely on a f- fair bit more, I think, in TV because it's so quick. And it's the turnarounds.
1: Well, and I mean, in a television context, you would think that the production designer is the mainstay of the series, yeah. as where the directors kind of acting as a guest. Yes, very but much. when you're when you're on, you know, they typically say features are a director's medium, as opposed to an Definitely. executive producer, showrunner medium. So that dynamic would be. You're like you as the props master in a way on a television series theory- series would be more authoritative over the props than a director who's directing one episode. Definitely, yeah, definitely popping in and out
2: for sure. And uh, specifically on the one I'm on currently, that is definitely the way. And I don't, I don't find that. Unfortunately, the directors in TV do have a lot of say. They yeah, because it's usually under a larger umbrella and there's a larger sort of look that is set out. Yeah, and it's
1: defined. It's defined, and they have to color within those lines absolutely. and stay within those parameters of some kind of a cohesive for sure world and appearance.
2: And I think they want to as well because they want to come back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of these no, directors
2: want to come back, and you see them coming and doing several episodes, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's also a relationship that they need to maintain.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was on our editor episode, and. Uh, Richard Trudeau was saying that, uh, you know, if you have a TV director and they come in and they're like, I want to do something really radical and different, that's kind of a red flag for that medium. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're the ones
2: you see on IMDb that have only directed one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 different, obviously, on on every show, every mm-hmm. different show you do, and I'm sure on features is I've, I've not, prop master to feature i would love to i have not done that yet it's well just been
1: tv and to ask you that question <laughs> dean like i mean if you're doing a feature the dynamics a little bit different because you have a production designer who is theoretically the well is the head of the art department the prop department being uh, part of the art department but then you have your own independent relationship with the director of, vis-a-vis show-and-tells and and developing kind of, especially if it's a hero prop. Mm. So how does that kind of dynamic work between those pieces, between uh, production designer, prop
3: master, and director? Depends on the production designer. Some are not too interested in props, Mm -hmm. and you're sort of left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And others can be very detail-orientated. I think someone like Guy Dias is probably one of those, and he's just amazing. He understands that a prop can end up being 40 mm-hmm. feet across the screen mm-hmm. while his set that he's designing is out of focus in the background. Yeah. And it's very rare that you find that sort of awareness in a someone, a production designer. Mm-hmm. So then it's, I'm kind of on my own, and which is, I. that's what I feel more comfortable at I've yeah. discovered mm-hmm. and it really at that point then is starting to work directly with the director and building some kind of trust because you are supposed to be the resident expert on what you're talking about so that's yeah. where research really becomes important you know if it's a period thing like what you were talking about somebody has to know that and yeah. you have to spend the time researching all of that to make sure and then it makes sense and it helps the director so then that way your rapport with that person is better when you're actually on set and it's on the day and you're doing other things if you come up with an idea at that point they can act, they'll listen to you yeah versus just blow you off right? right yeah and feature world you not only have the director you have the vis effects producer on right. any of them and they ultimately are the ones in post-production that are going to make that film look the way it's going to be and they end up being as powerful yeah. as the director
1: well in a vis effects heavy project in a lot of ways they are you know in a way on a similar level to the director as in they're the ones that know what the vis effects shots are ultimately going to look like right
3: yeah well they and that type of director in that scenario has to be very aware of VizFX. Yeah, VizFX absolutely. is a money driven part of that look process. of the film and so when you if you do a previs, the previs isn't just a storybook to look nice. They are very early in the process getting the director to commit yeah. to how many yeah. cuts are you going to need for mm-hmm. this scene because yeah. every plate costs money. Yeah. And if something is 25 plates, and it's 300,000 per plate and yeah. you get out your calculator and crunch it yeah you've got to cut it yeah you've got to make it shorter or you have to compromise somehow and and a lot like on a heavy vizfx driven show like skyscraper yeah the chances of you getting time with the director compared to VizFX and the amount of time they spend with the director is <laughs> it's, it's really cut down you yeah. you barely get time to talk to them
0: so how important is the show in telling that circumstance i guess you get sign off during that time
3: you well hopefully you do i've had shows where there was one show in particular i had arranged for a show and tell five different times
1: and it kept getting pushed
3: five different times there was a no show and no apology no explanation nothing Hmm and we went to camera without a show and tell
1: oh wow that's not good
3: yeah it was a very big film and it turned out the director was very intimidated by people with resumes and experience because his comfort zone was in vis effects and storyboards and mm. that was where he had come from and so we had a storyboard artist working right outside my office and he'd be spending time with him and I, st- I couldn't get a meeting with the guy wow. so I would start putting illustrations on the walls outside my office over by the storyboard artist and it was hilarious he'd come by and stick his head in the office and give me a thumbs up and I'm going like thumbs up for what like yeah, do which- you do you want me to build this <laughs> because if you don't tell me you want it, you're not going to get it (laughs) because it costs money. So it was hilarious.
1: Well, and maybe just pausing for a second, like Aaliyah, for those who are at home who don't know, like what is a prop show and tell? What does that usually entail?
2: Um, Well, basically, so as you know, it starts with the breakdown of the script. We figure out obviously all the things that are going to be required, but the way I do it is it's your time obviously with the director that you get before you go to camera on TV because it's such a quick turnaround yeah. it's usually the day before you go to camera so there's not a lot of room <laughs> yeah. if they don't like something if it's a big build process then that will start at the beginning yeah and then I hire an illustrator to do with illustrations get that in the works because the vendors on that time frame need as much time as they can get so that's what I'll concentrate on as well obviously first is the builds and then all the smalls, they don't really worry me as much yeah um, but I always have at least three options for the director to choose, at least three, four, usually. Um, and we walk through all the scenes and all the props required, and the director will choose. That's where actually usually the director, if it's not the builds, the builds usually go to the producers. and
1: Right, the EPs of the show. But
2: the smalls like that, the director will usually choose. Um, and, and then... I used to have to always photo and send it down. All the options would yep. go down and send to L.A. But uh, luckily, on a lot of the shows lately, they're all up here. So I don't have and to. And that's
1: for clearances. For
2: clearances. Yeah. Clearances is a huge part, depending on who you're working with as well. Um, currently, the clearance process is, is a bit of a nightmare. Well, and do you line. want to
1: talk about that a little? About the clearance process? Yeah, that I want to hear about it. <laughs> oh,
2: uh, well, usually I will try to create just from scratch because on all the shows I've been on that nothing will clear basically. Right. So, and so the fine line for me, cause I hate when you're watching something and it looks like a prop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where you do, if you are using your art department in house, you really hope that you have a really good graphic designer yep. who does modern, good looking, uh, you know, graphics so that when you're, when you're watching, it doesn't bump that. Oh, it yep. doesn't actually say story. chocolate bar. Yeah instead of Hershey's or, you know, which lots of times I've been on shows. So I would normally farm that out to somebody else. Um, I also prefer to be a little bit independent in props and not always rely on the art department for that reason. Um, They're also really busy in props. Sometimes isn't the first priority. Obviously, they've got, mm -hmm. you know, they've got a lot of other stuff going. But the problem is, is that in TV as well, when there's a look that's been developed... They want to keep within, obviously, that that look. So sometimes when you shop out independently, it's trying to find a balance between still keeping a cohesive look but yeah. maintaining your own sort of vision as well. Um, I find a lot of the production designers that I've worked with aren't really interested in props. And I don't – I've often tried to figure out why that is. And I think it's because they don't understand them. Right. I think really that's what it boils down to. They have a lot of stuff, obviously, that they are thinking on a larger Mm -hmm. scale. And props, it's the little details. It's the little details that really do make a difference, but that people really don't want to think about. Well, I I remember
1: I was speaking to a production designer one time, and they were talking about decision fatigue. And like the idea of having to decide every drape, every chair, every every color, and then you're adding a whole bunch of layers of mm-hmm. details, like mm-hmm. granular decisions about, I could see how for a person that could become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like thousands of questions
2: it, that you're it, answering all the time. It is. Um, yeah. And, and I'm okay with that once it's been like, okay, then you run with it. Then just, mm-hmm. you know, just do it, run with it. Then that's great. Yeah. Cause do, it's,
0: do you prefer that autonomy? I, I do. Yeah, I do. I'm getting that from both of you. Yeah, You both prefer to be in control and not have yeah. to sort of answer to somebody outside yeah, of the
3: You work, you work hard entrepicer. to build a trust mm-hmm. and then you you deliver and they see what you're capable of doing and at a certain point they back off. If, yeah. if they have been trying to control, it's probably because they don't know who you are or they haven't worked with you before. Mm-hmm. And so there's a proving ground for a while. Yeah
0: are they still appro- approving things like at the same time or are those going just straight to the director and producers and- I'll copy them. Yeah, I
2: copy them as well. Gotcha,
0: Yeah. okay. Yeah, and do you, do you find that there is communication often when you do copy them or is it just like, oh good, that's happening and that's what they're thinking?
2: I think they're relieved actually. <laughs> yeah, really? I honestly, yeah. I oh, think most of the time, the- honestly, they, they need to be copied so that if they're asked by the director or anyone else mm-hmm. that they are aware. But quite honestly, I would say 90% of the time, they're more than happy to let you do it so that they don't have to.
1: Well, yeah, and if your work is good and it fits into the story world and it's like now you're just making their life easier. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because even just talking through this, it, you know,
0: I get the impression that they're, that you guys are kind of being like a second thought from the production designer and that could be looked at as a negative thing. Mm. But what I'm also hearing is that like, well, no, they've got so many decisions to make that they have somebody that they can trust in and as long as they can trust that person then it's like no you you run that part of your department and I'm going to let that happen and it's off my shoulders. I don't know if that is a true statement
3: or is that It very is, per- but you know when it really bites is when you're you've worked on a show and it's up for an award yes. and your production yes. designer is nominated <laughs> and they share the award with the set decorator
2: no mention And of the props.
3: there is no mention of props right. in the show. And one in particular I did few years back really hit home hard <laughs> that way. Anyway.
2: And no mention of props. Oh no. No. Hmm. There really never is. Wow.
1: Well, it, and it's interesting too, right? Like the fact that like a prop could get over or the prop department could get overlooked in that regard, but props can be hero pieces. The the movie like, you know, a McGruffin the the Maltese Falcon Is the movie's about a prop? You know, they can be critical character elements or even just in the development of a character and giving them layers. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Yeah. Well, Indiana Jones. I was
2: just going to say Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah.
3: Or Bridges of Madison County. Mm -hmm. That inspired me forever. The. When she gets the box delivered, and she starts opening mm-hmm. it up and mm-hmm. hand unwrapping his camera and the book he published, there's not a word of dialogue. Yeah, everything about mm-hmm. that scene is told by the reveal of these props. And you've seen them. and it is so powerful. Mm-hmm. yeah, you
0: know, and it is somebody like yourselves who's building that, who's, you know, researching that and creating this this prop that does become uh, a story element, like ma- a major story element, not just somebody shooting in the air like a uh, a, 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 a certain Catherine Bigelow movie, but, um, you know, <laughs> is, is literally like the centerpiece of the movie.
1: Well, and going back to that whole concept of like builds versus small. So like when you do get encountered with those hero props that are going to be built and they're critical to the story, like how does that design process typically work Um how does the approval process typically
3: work? Hmm.
2: Want to talk about that, Dean.
3: You're going to jump on that one?
2: No, you go ahead.
3: Oh.
1: So, I mean, I suppose it begins with the research, making sure it fits into the we'll world. Probably, and then... yeah, it begins with a script breakdown, I would imagine.
2: But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's actually not out there in the world and you're completely creating it.
1: Right. And right? then you go so... through an industrial design process or.
3: Well, okay. For For me, on a build, the first thing I really start doing is thinking about how I'm going to approach the build. Right. I use different prop builders. It's almost like typecasting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some people are better at some yeah. things than others. So you mm-hmm. get a sense of what you're doing. Is it the Rude Goldberg better mousetrap? looking thing because right. I have somebody who can do that or is it the CNC high end finish like super slick looking thing right. are you okay is it futuristic um, what is the future okay it's a gun are they going to use ammunition or will it be cartridge-less so yeah. then how do you make a cartridge-less gun that fires so then you start dealing with the armor and on one show we ended up with a it was a Taurus 9-shot 22 right and we clamshelled our futuristic gun over this 22. Gotcha. So I got oh. nine shots out of it mm-hmm. and there was a little thing we rigged up where we bent the hammer of the well we owned the guns at that point. so we bent the hammer and it actually caught a spring and you would see this circle cycle on the side of the gun wow. as I was firing. And then there's a whole safety factor about firing blanks and not, endangering actors and things. So we actually right. had to develop a barrel that was really machined out of tool steel and we drilled into the barrel till we left like an inch of metal at the end of the barrel. You could fire a live round down this thing and it was not coming out. Oh, wow, Nothing wow. was going to happen. And then we would port all the way around that to equal the caliber of the gun. Right. And so in the end, the safest place to stand was in front of it was (laughs) directly (laughs) in front of the gun and you had this amazing starburst effect of this gun going off wow radiating all around the guy's face right so a lot of work goes into that and then because it's a revolver there's a concussive effect coming out of the side of the cylinder of the gun that you have to worry about so depending on how much you're using them it came to a point where i took the clamshells and i went to a non-destructive company to test them and we were out maybe a thou or two on one side of the clamshell, and there were actual cracks starting to develop in the metal. And so we had to go to production and say, we have to remachine these. We have to remake oh, no. them. Wow. Well, it's an insurance it's thing. It's yeah. total, yeah. total safety, right? Yeah. But it's all these little things you have to be worrying about when you're, yeah. you're kind of really pushing the edge mm-hmm. of the envelope in this sort of gun-blank thing going on, and you really rely on the armors and their knowledge and... The shop we deal with, they have this one guy, he's just insane. He's like a savant of gunsmithing Mm -hmm. and what a great person to have in this industry to be able to rely on that.
1: Well, it's interesting, right? Like if you think of
3: (laughs) (laughs) most of the products that
1: we interact with, we have the benefit of them being going through a QA Mm -hmm. process and a manufacturing process, but you guys are doing one-offs that have to exist and then maybe that's could you tell us a little bit about your parents and what they did, Aaliyah? <laughs> uh,
2: they, so, <laughs> they definitely filled a void of film and television.
1: Because they were
3: actually prop makers.
2: They were prop makers. I oh, would from s- the time I moved
3: here in 86, they were the shot.
2: Clan of the Cave right. Bear, I think, was probably one of their first productions, I think.
3: Oh, Never Cry Wolf. And Never Cry Wolf, All of those, yeah. All have been... So, but... They, they, did breakaways. Yeah. They did rubber casting. Gotcha. They did breakaway glass. Things. They you know Sculpted. breakaway ceramics, sculpting. It's and in the basement of their home. Oh wow. So wow. you'd walk into yeah. the basement through the door.
2: Fiberglass and
3: And it would wow. be oh, yeah. you know the rubber bear trap or, yeah. you know, some sculpture that was, you know, it was Back in the day, they would if fake you food, needed an fake infinite yeah, yeah. fake yeah. food, which we don't even have anymore. We in don't have yeah. We need somebody who it's does true. fake food. So it's that's true. a business opportunity out it there. It is for any because people. they were. I mean, out there for any, any well, they they they
2: had a suckling pig that was used on so many shows over the years when there was food scenes like a big buffet scene. Right. I don't even know where it is now. I'm not sure where it, it ended up. Must be up, in but a museum somewhere. Probably, <laughs> but they, they I would consider them organic builders though because they they ended at a time their business where i don't th- well again dean's right his point of view vet your builds and figure out who the best person is to use right. them i actually will still use them they have retired about that. they will do that's work. your ace up this yeah, yeah it is it totally is <laughs> <laughs> so busy honestly, nobody can get anything no, built here's they, a they, work like for on very on few cent. people they yeah. actually still will wow. um but they, they not sure that they would stand up now necessarily in film. I mean, they they didn't do CNC. They, I mean, they're great organic builders, sculptors, uh, mold makers. I mean, I still right. get tied to do a ton of molds because his mold work was incredible. He would be able to mold the most complicated bear trap, tiny teeth like complicated his 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 rubber work and molding was incredible still Mm. is it's it's unbelievable uh they do they would do uh i still get them to do retractable needles (laughs) you know um but they i think so much now expectation with laser cutting they didn't go forward in that they sort of left the industry probably at a time which was a good time for them. Right. Um, but they still I mean, the mark that they made I think in this industry is, is incredible. Oh, they I mean
3: you talk about people who built this industry. Yeah. yeah. And back at a time when Vancouver was very young in just its infancy, yes, yeah. to have a prop building shop like Aliyah's mom and dad, when, and Ty and Marsha. Just an incredible incredible. It really if, was. if you yeah. didn't have that, you'd be getting well, you'd things be, out of LA yeah. or somewhere else. Yeah. But to have it here and You know, your house was on Granville. It was
2: like right in the heart of the city. Yeah. So it was, and I, you know, I remember because they started it when I was nine, they started the business and partially so that they could be home. There's five kids. So they wanted to be home um, and needed to work and have a business. (laughs) Yeah. So they started it. um, And I remember prop masters who dropped stuff off at a Friday night, literally a Friday night. And be like, it plays Monday. Can you yeah. have it ready for Monday? And they would stay up literally all night long. I would go down in the basement to try to bug them, and they slept in their chairs. I I swear, <laughs> oh for God. probably about seventeen yeah. years, wow, they slept in chairs yeah. in the basement, not even in a bed, because yeah. they would work around the clock.
1: They just snooze off, they, wake up. And they get did. Back to they work. would they would yeah. tag
2: teams sometimes, and they would, you know, uh, nap at different times to give each other a break. But they they the amount of stuff. That they did in this industry for film is incredible. It really is. And I remember, I remember helping them. And we we did this uh, suit. I think it was for millennium, I think, and it was this it was a bee suit. Someone was actually attacked by bees, but then they went to have all these fake bees attached to the shoulder of the suit, sitting hand painting little um. lines on all these fake rubber bees. And then we had this big fly. I don't even remember what show it was for hand punching hair to go in this
0: Oh my god. Oh, it was... Fly too.
2: Was it was it <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It could have been it was this massive fly and we hand punched I mean I would bring friends over after school and there would literally be like pig heads. Huge pig heads sitting on the ca- kitchen counter. <laughs> and my that friends would be it, and it was just like yeah. another day in my house. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was friend... so exciting. for Oh kids. my god, my yeah. friends would come over and they'd be like Blood dripping down the counter, these big, huge pig heads, because they were about to go into a mold. I mean, well, they were real ones. Real ones. Oh, my well, God. Real <laughs> ones. Wow. No, no, wow. real ones. I would call. I would be walking with friends to school, and I would actually get home from school and say, Mom, I found a dead raccoon oh in the alley, God. and it's in good shape. And they would go and get it put in the freezer. So we could mold <laughs> it. I mean, it's, it was not a conventional upbringing by any means. And, you know, I didn't want to do film. I, I, I was like, nope, I'm not going to do film. I see what it did to them. They worked twenty four hours a yeah. day, and then Dean over here <laughs> found it me on my phone <laughs> and now I'm so grateful for it, but it was um it was it was a lot of work and actually dean Dean asked if I wanted to volunteer hmm. on a TV show called Three.
3: Oh my God, uh-huh. three.
2: It was on a TV show called I would never think it's on my resume. I, mine? <laughs> <laughs> it's not It was on a long IMDb time yet. ago. It was a long time ago. And uh, and he said, well, do you want to, you know, you've been working here for all these years. Do you want to see what it's like on the other end? And mm. uh, I was really in between. I said, sure. And so that turned into, well, was supposed to be about a week. And then Dean said, you know what? Can you stay? So I stayed for, I think it was the whole 22 of, it was a 22 episode season, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then we continued on for a while. And, and the I, I, the pledge, the pledge, actually, I was going to mention about the whole show and tell thing on the pledge. Cause we had, I was working as a buyer for Dean on mm-hmm. the pledge and, um, we were trying to get an approved drawing done. Remember? Yeah. And the director would not take the time to look and I think it played day one I think it was day one and we didn't have this it had we been copied
3: ran, we ran art competitions with elementary schools and we'd go in and read them a story yeah. and then ask them to do a drawing oh, about wow. the story because you can't fake a kid's drawing No, yeah, adults think they can because we tried I think
2: we are like yeah. no so we had like three or four <laughs> no. different
3: schools yeah. they, we had all these entries some of them were amazing, amazing. pieces of art yeah and
2: Plastered could
3: them. not get the director to look at them. And so we just started putting them up on the every office. wall in the production office. So All he over, had really. to literally walk by them to just even get to his office. Yeah. And that still wasn't working. And then it was Bill Groom, the production designer, who finally said, hey, we you know, we got to make a decision. So he helped him narrow it down. Right. And then we got to the one he chose. But it was like, yeah, but I want the car bigger and I want the man taller. So I had to go to the family and oh my say, God. here's yeah, your prize yeah, money, Yeah, but could you, you please get her to draw it again? Yeah. Only oh with a bigger car. <laughs> oh, yeah. and a bigger... So 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 it was, it was actually the cl-
2: yeah. it was. It was a very important prop because it was the clue to the...
3: This little girl the in little... the story is murdered and yeah. there's this guy who uh, lives in the area that has maybe done it before and hmm. it was Jack... Nicholson was Just the retired jack- yeah. cop who took promised the family he would find the murderer. Yeah. And um, it had a story to do with porcupines and this tall man and a certain kind of car. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it was a real important drawing. It <laughs> was. And the best part out of the whole thing was we had the drawing, but, and the day we go to play it, you showed up with all this show card yeah. <laughs> to mount it on, which makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think we went with pink. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was a little girl. Yeah, right? yeah. But it was brilliant. It was just absolutely that last little piece that needed to yeah. happen to make it like totally legit. Mm-hmm. And Alia just shows up on her own with all this show <laughs> card on the truck. And I'm like grabbing the show card out of her hands.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And That's then I remember, it, actually, too. I remember that too, because I didn't get a credit Aww. In that movie. And I remember Dean actually you went to see it and you called me after and you said it was a real shame you didn't get a credit. I sometimes you get you do yeah, your no, name no, shows no, up no. or not. I'm, yeah. And I think because talking about the little details, I think I made that little keychain that had her name on it mm-hmm. that we placed. I don't think it was scripted. No. And then we placed it near where they found her body. And right. it was like this and Dean was like But it's the details. Yeah. Yeah. It's the details. It's like um, people, I always say to my onset, who's, he's been with me for 15 years. Right. And sometimes he's like, Aaliyah, you care too much about the details. I'm like, I'm always going to care about the details. If I stop (laughs) caring about the details, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because it's those little things. It doesn't seem like a lot, but they're the little things that I think sell it.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: And I enjoy it. Like.
0: I think moving to a different conversation, very similar though, is you know the details of creativity, mm-hmm. um, sort of that relentlessness to solve a problem too. Like, what, what is it that? What kind of person is a prop master? What kind of person becomes a prop master?
2: Ooh, you tackle that one. <laughs> it's a big
0: question, but it's always I mean, one. Besides that very the
3: daughter of prop yeah, makers, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Besides being well, a part of the legacy, I mean. The part of the job I like the most is the research and the prep. Mm-hmm. And to me, prep is the most important time of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, if I haven't prepped properly, then the rest is just a like a tsunami wave mm-hmm. waiting to crush me yeah. if, if I don't get ahead of it. So I need that time to get the trust of the director, be a part of rehearsals, be in those meetings where things are being discussed. So you're part of what's helping drive what, this project is about to become and it's the layering there's like i say the the scripted props but then there's that next layer Mm -hmm. where you get the character and it's okay what are his sunglasses yeah Mm -hmm. What is the watch? Mm-hmm. What is the pen? Yeah, you know, Ray Bans isn't written into the script. But, no, or maybe he wears aviators. You know, oh, whatever yeah. it is, right? Or maybe you've worn Ray Bans on too many movies, and it's time you try something yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and show them those options, right? And and then it's it's getting. You want that pocket knife? but you want the right pocket knife for that scene. So then you start researching eBay and S D and all these places, (laughs) finding that pocket knife, or you start looking for those manufacturers that are out there that just do things. I've got knife makers that have made knives for me on shows. Right. So it's not store-bought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's purposely built for that character. For that character in that scene. it, Mm -hmm. It they're not expecting you to do that. But when you have that time with the actor and you go, actually, this is, there's only two of these in the world and they were made for you. Yeah. And this bone handle is actually mastered on Tusk yeah, yeah. from Alaska, because that's where you're from in the story and everything else. <laughs> <They're> like, <sighs> they they just go, it, it helps them. Layer to it helps character. them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, exactly.
1: Well, that's like, that's a cliche for actors, right? Like that it's like, you know, dressing the character as part of getting it, And so props being an element or extension of that right
2: well for sure that's it it is
1: interesting that you you know within
0: that realm too because you're taking the script you're breaking it down you're bringing options to a director but you're you know skewing the options according to what the character would be or what the you know mainly because props is what the actors are Mm -hmm. interacting with Mm -hmm. so you are such a creative piece of um what we see on screen like when we see a leo DiCaprio or we see you know um basically anybody in the 100 or something you know <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you that those pieces are as much the character as they are um you know a piece
3: of art or well whatever they and be. they can become iconic thor's hammer
2: oh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. you know
3: uh what's the guy with the shield american yeah a lot
2: of the superhero especially the yeah. superhero, yeah. superhero stuff for sure well,
3: wolverine's claws yeah. yeah you know it just mm-hmm. goes on and on right it's just somebody has to think of it and somebody has to get their head wrapped around how you're going to make it and where mm-hmm. you're going to source it and why. And
0: It's so interesting, though, that you are, you know, literally putting pictures up
3: in a production office, hoping the director will actually Absolutely.
0: make a choice on it yeah. when it is so integral to, like, who these characters are.
3: When or or
2: to... And integral to the show. You would think that it would be like, oh, I can't wait to see all these drawings, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's... that's... Well, there was,
3: there was, were you there that day when this was the pledge again where the director wasn't there? Right and Jack arrives in town and Jack normally doesn't come to the studio but this day he was coming to the studio right and they come into my office going like uh, Jack's going to arrive here any second oh, here do you have anything you can show him oh, or right. take up some time until the director gets here so I end up in this room with all his props <laughs> for an hour and I I'm talking to him and you know. I can't, I'd say as close to being starstruck as totally. I can get. Totally. Yeah. He's the only one. And I'm showing <laughs> him his watch, his retirement watch. I'm showing him a plaque with all his badges and merits and awards. He's going to get his retirement thing. I'm showing him the drawings. We're talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. And my onset guy comes in and I go to introduce him. This you know, is so Brian, awesome. this is, and I go to hit, and he goes, just call me Jack. Oh. And he puts out his name and I go like, I wanted to hear that. I get that? That was so amazing. And it goes right to the end of the show where we're out in Golden Ears Park and it's the last day filming. And his car drives by, his driver is his chef and his driver's wife is his on-set costumer. And they've worked together for years. Yeah. And I'm pushing my cart back towards the truck, and car. I have to pause while the car drives by. Right. And it stops, and he gets out of the car and comes back and shakes my hand. ah, uh-huh. And says, yeah, come down, pay a visit sometime. And he'd given me his hat. It was this fishing hat. Mm-hmm. He plunked it on my head, and he says, hang on to that. It might be worth some money someday. <laughs> that was so cool yeah. to just, that's wow. in project. the end, story, after yeah. going through an entire show with that, and... I mean, we were up in well, they wrote, They wrote.
2: That's where they wrote that parade in.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that wasn't in the script. No. That all of a sudden we had a parade. Yeah, in Oliver. In Oliver. Hmm.
3: So, yeah, yeah we <laughs> we set up this parade and we got marching bands, we got the candy yeah, we floss, kinda. we got the this and that, oh, yeah. and uh, Aaliyah's got to get all this stuff up there. I was there. by myself yeah. in Vancouver. And, and we're coming from some <laughs> other place yeah. we've been filming in, yeah. and, and we get to this town, and it's early morning. And
2: it was Headley. Was it it Hedley? I think so.
3: And the, you know, the floats are showing up and (laughs) the the marching bands arrives on the school bus. And now all the people, the crowds are showing up. So now you've got to animate them with the candy floss and the ice cream cones and this and that. And the bubble machines. The
2: bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was. was...
3: Always in Vancouver. Yeah. If you do props. Yeah. And you have a scene with balloons (laughs) in it. Always have a bubble machine nearby. Because if it rains here, your balloons sink. Oh. Hmm. But you still want something in the <laughs> yeah, exactly. air. And, right. bubbles and bubbles will still get will through do it. the rain somehow? Yeah. 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 Do you know how many yeah. times I've done bubbles? Wow. <laughs> many. Bubbles many. and safety from the rain. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah so
1: that,
0: that's your magic bullet, is, yeah. the, is the bullet. Always have bubble
3: bubbles, but, my yeah. boy. Always have bubbles.
1: And I mean, you both have made reference to your onset person. Mm um, and then you were talking about doing this uh, huge scene with a whole bunch of background. Maybe in that context, can you talk a little bit about the structuring, the parts, props department, who's in it? And then on these bigger days, like obviously you're having to bring in additional manpower. How does that kind of get all accomplished?
2: Want to go with that one?
3: You can rock, oh, paper, yeah. scissors. Okay. So <laughs> uh, let's start with something easy. Okay, we're doing a military show. Okay, and great. I have 250 background. Uh, easy.
1: yeah, So easy. <laughs>
3: so you have to talk to the ADs. You know you need a pre-call. Yep. Then what you do is you take the time and you dress one person head to toe. Right. And you basically time it. And you say, okay, first time I meet this person to adjust all this tactical gear, get everything fitting, yep. get everything in detail, it takes me 20 minutes. Okay, multiply that by 250. <laughs> now divide by 60 if I have one person, that's how many hours it's gonna take <laughs> yep. to dress two hundred and fifty people. so if I have two hour pre call then that means I need eight uh, people, yeah, and then how am I gonna break that down? I have got a fifty foot trailer with two hundred and fifty gacked out you know stuff ready to go, and I've got to run' them by the armor trailer as well so yep. I need a tent and I'll roll half of that into the tent and I'll keep the other half on the trailer and we split up the extras and it's a process. Yeah. And you set up tables and the person comes up and you hand them the helmet, you hand them this, you hand them that, and you get it on them and you get them moving down the line towards somebody else who's going to help adjust and make the changes and dial it in and then they're out and they're to set. You Mm -hmm. don't sit there and do one at a time. You're better off having 250 Mm -hmm. people that show up on set and are looking a little on the rough side because you've got pre-light and rehearsals and you can go around tweaking it as it goes. Right. But we got it down to where we could get them fully gacked, done in two hours, 250 people. And
0: what is the team that you're using for that? Like there's yourself and who else?
3: Okay. Normally you have an on-set first assistant, which is your sort of your point person. Mm-hmm. who is dealing mainly with the main actors, yep. mainly with the continuity, has the same grasp of the script and the breakdown that I do. I go with my breakdown becomes the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, that's on the truck as well. So mm-hmm. every given scene, they know what they're going to get and what I'm expecting from them. Right. And then you have what is called a truck person, but that person is so important because their mm-hmm. department's so small. Yeah, that person is responsible for the truck and the organizing of the truck, reading the call sheet for the advance of the next day, making sure everything's pulled, has been touched. If there's something missing, there's that phone call that goes out. Are we yeah. getting this stuff? Looking ahead and it's behind. a really yeah.
2: important yeah. position. And then you, you have
3: a props person, which is in terms of pay scale the the lowest on the rung, right? And that person is. On our case in our show right now we have first assistant truck person and a prop person on set all the time but when you do day calls you call the hall yeah and you want eight people yeah for these big days Mm -hmm. yeah so then you get them out and you have to spend time with them and yeah maybe they haven't worked with you before so you get them organized you say okay you're on this truck you're on that truck you're in the tent Mm -hmm and you go through it, you process it. And then same in the reverse at the end of the day when they're wrapped, everything's got to get sprayed because yeah. they've been sweating in on it all day, re-racked, recounted. Yeah. Like you do your counts yeah. all the time. Yeah. You never Especially you never get weapons. odd numbers <laughs> stuff. You're <laughs> yeah. better off remembering 18 or 20 than you are 13 or something like that. Right. Things break, they yeah. need repair. And it's just a process and you you just have to get it Dialed in to a point that after a fourteen-hour day, the things you're having to do at that point you don't have to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way I organize, say weapons, if I have a rack of that can hold fifty, but I only have twenty guns, we'll tape off the other thirty. Right. So you know. So when the rack is full, you know you're done. If if you have to sit there and count it so many x number of times, it just well, at no, a certain I'm, point you you can't you're, well yeah you're even, also exhausted at the yeah, end you're of the so
2: end, right? fried at the end of the yeah. day you, yeah. even doing mistakes,
1: dtrs like. at the end of the day sometime i'm like you know if you go <laughs> past like 2400 and you're like then you have to do math <laughs> yeah. and then you're like what <laughs> and that's not good <laughs> yeah it's like so confused but um and then what about offset Aliyah, and in the office like what 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 is that part of the team mm-hmm. look like
2: well um the shows i've been doing are Traditionally, super busy, very really prop heavy. Um, I have, um, I always like to have two buyers, and right. I usually try to go with a male and a female, just to. I usually have, um, I like to have a female for like a lot of the personals and stuff, and then. Um, I've had Tim, Tim is, has been with me also for 15 years and he's great at the build. So he's my build coordinator, more than a buyer probably. Right. Um, and then I have, um, alternating onsets cause in TV it's exhausting. So I do like to alternate so that my onset can, so to assistant prop masters, they can follow their whole episode. So they're there for all the prep. They come to the meetings with me. So they're aware of everything. Uh, they'll go on the survey, um, and then I have a truck person as well. And I also have like a props assist is someone who's just sort of manages. Cause when you get into TV and you're doing years of it, it's log, your lockups are huge. Mm. Your stock and inventory yeah. is huge. You need someone to stay on top of it all the time. And that person knows exactly where everything is. Um, so it's usually about, uh, run about seven people.
4: Okay.
1: Yeah, because they might be calling back a, an obscure prop mm-hmm. from episode two
3: that plays...
2: Totally, and you need to know where that is, yeah. and it's going to come there's back,
3: the you know? insert unit tomorrow, exactly, or there's yeah. suddenly a yeah. second unit, or a stunt unit, and yeah.
2: And then you, you have a your...
0: piece of kryptonite from my like <laughs> exactly. episode, season five, episode 13? Uh, yeah.
2: All that went to archives, actually. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I also, you know, you hired your techs as well. You know, you get your food stylist, you have your med tech, you have military tech, depending on what your show Mm -hmm. is or what scenes you're doing. um, I really like to have a tech there for everything. I just think it helps with the actors. Um, It takes the onus off the onset who isn't necessarily (laughs) multi-talented in -hmm. everything. I mean, they're great, but they don't have the answers to everything. So I think it's actually better to have always somebody there who's, got that experience to be able to even poker tech we had a big yeah. poker thing oh, I mean, really? you want, oh cool. yeah yeah you want someone there who knows what they're doing or billiards tech i mean yeah. it's someone you can't know everything mm-hmm. and someone who's can't,
1: interacted with absolutely. these objects in a real life well and it's comfort capacity. for the actors
2: the actors can say uh work directly with them and
1: how would you're I always hold this? there
2: you're there to facilitate but yeah. your onset's there to facilitate but you want to make sure that, that if there's any questions that they've got the answers right there
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And cool. a, as a prop master, so you've, you're on set, who's literally on set. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your truck person and everything. Where are you Where are you during these these times? Like, are you in the office? Are you on set? Are you, At like, the where spa. are you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wouldn't that be nice? At the golf course. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, there are some that There are that some course, that yeah. do that. There are uh, some that do that. There was a time where, like a show like The Pledge, yeah. we would prep and I would take it to the floor. Yeah. So I would be on set. Mm-hmm. And I think traditionally... And they still expect that, that the prop master is always Uh on set. But by the nature of the way things evolve now and how decisions are made Mm -hmm. and how scripts are constantly being rewritten or how... Oh builds or whatever. I mean a, a feature film you've it's it's a long haul. Like yeah. you take something on that's got a hundred day shooting schedule or something like that. There's things you're I tend to end up leapfrogging ahead of main unit. If there's something key that's being established that day, I'll go to set. I'll be there for that and, you know, make sure things are happening the way I had designed the gag to go. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where after you've rolled camera and they're happy on it, I've got to move on. Mm -hmm. I haven't got the time to Mm -hmm. sit there and maintain the set and watch continuity and do all of Mm -hmm. the other stuff, right? So in my world, I sort of tend to leapfrog. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Does that mean that you're more dictating things to other people and not as hands-on as, say, obviously an on-set person would be? But...
3: It is, and it, you're giving up a lot by having mm-hmm. to do it that way. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my passion for doing the job was, I started as an onset mm-hmm. first assistant. It was a really good way to keep employed in this town because there were so few yeah. people who considered themselves onset firsts. Right, and so I worked for a number of different prop masters, and it's where you really get to be a part of Mm -hmm. the making of that film. Mm -hmm. And you can watch something when it's on the screen and you know exactly what went on at that moment, where Mm -hmm. exactly you Mm -hmm. were. There can be a moment where my hand comes in from the side Mm -hmm. to grab his hand before the bullet hits, you know, the squibs hit the couch or something and he dives out of the way. And you're the guy that pulled him out on that take. And you've, you've worked on set and all this stuff is being choreographed together. And you create these... Shots that are just, in the end of the day, you can be exhausted, but you're also sort of really fulfilled too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're a part of the process. Yeah, part, part, really part of the, part of the process. process. You're really there with director and actors, mm-hmm. and I mean that's the
2: thrill of it. it. Yeah, I'm, what is it I'm like? really
3: jealous of my onset. First, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it really bugs me that they get all the glamour and the.
2: But you can't do it. No, you can't. You, can't. you just can't. There's just yeah. not time to do it.
0: Well, what, what is it that keeps bringing you back that As like a as a prop master, is it the the details? Are you obsessed with the details? Is it you know the just the I intensity like, of the industry? I like
2: the details. I like, I, I like the community of it. Mm-hmm. I do. I've I've been fortunate enough to actually be working with a lot of the same people for a long time. Um, and it is a bit like a family at that point. You know, you sort of have a bit of a shorthand. You sort of know each other's roles and responsibilities. And I I still now, even after all these years, can go into a set and truly be amazed by the amount of work that went into it in such a short amount of time. And knowing every department has had a piece of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, That's still not lost on me after all these years. Yeah. I still really enjoy that. I think when I stop enjoying that, maybe is my time. <laughs> but I still, I really enjoy that. I enjoy working with the directors. I enjoy that communication. I mean, it's. I find now it's a lot of paper. I I love the creative part of it. Yeah. I find a lot of the job now is the budgeting and the breakdowns. I mean that part. I every now and then I will actually do a build myself. Just to get back to being creative, right.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, you know, because I enjoy. I do. Enjoy, we had a. I did. iZombie zombie, and we had a this hero prop. It was an episode. It was, episode. A brain, wasn't it was it? <laughs> it, well. We did do all those edible brains. Yes, but no. It was a. Uh, the lead was supposed to be. She would eat the brains. She would take on the persona of everyone's brain that she ate. And so, I mean, it was fun because fun for her, she got to be what someone different <laughs> <Yeah>. every episode. <laughs> so she like would take us, it brain, was actually yeah. really neat. It was, it was for her, it must've been spectacular. And for us, it was fun too. Yeah. And so she, she, took on she ate the brain of someone who was like a kleptomania but was was obsessed with red and so the the showrunner was directing the first episode and he was really particular about everything he wanted and he was like so um go into a news station and the newsman has all these um, snow globes collection but she's going to only take the red one. So I'm like, okay. And again, clearances, like nothing probably would have cleared anyways. So it was going to be a build regardless. And I was like, I'm going to build this. I think I'm just, I I need to build this. (laughs) He wanted a snowball's chance in hell, in a snow globe. Right. And I was like, okay. So then research, I was like, okay, well, what will that look look like? So it ended up being, I sculpted, out of I did get the sculpting gene from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I sculpted this little snowman that had like angry eyebrows <laughs> and a top hat, and I went and I bought this tiny little corn broom, and then I did this fiery hell in the background. It was like red, red and yellow and orange Fimo that I, you know, was fanned out, and then the glitter was instead of white was like red glitter. So anyways I so cool. I didn't watch it and my onset actually called he goes Leah I have some bad news I was like what he goes you didn't really see the snow globe and I was uh-huh. like what it oh, was no. in her hand and it was just the back of it so all oh, you no. saw was like oh, tiny no. dip okay. and I was like you didn't have to tell me. I probably wouldn't have watched yeah. it. It would have been better if you didn't tell me. I sent it to the showrunner and he has it he kept it on his desk cuz it was a fun little piece. Well, at least you but got I that. do yeah. I I do miss the creative part of it. I do find I don't know about you Dean, but I do find a lot of it. Well, you still probably get in that's, have,
3: why do you think I avoid episodic?
2: <laughs> I, well, like it, yeah. I, when
3: I say yeah. prep is the most critical yes. time for yes. me, mm-hmm. when you do episodic, yeah. that is all you were doing for the entire yeah. season gotcha. as a prop it master. Is, or is you were constantly in prep, which is like the most stressful <laughs> level of <laughs> it, yeah. it is any any sort of part of the job it I can is. describe.
2: Yeah, it you know, is because you just it, well, and then as soon as it as soon as you go to camera, you're prepping like literally.
0: You're prepping the next
3: episode. You're prepping the next well, one. Well, you, you yeah. have your production like, meeting. They go to yeah. camera that afternoon and yeah. you've already got the the next script that you've yeah. hopefully yeah. have got yeah. in time to have the days yeah. to prep yeah. while they're shooting the episode yeah. you just prepped. Wow.
2: Hoping they don't put the build on the very first day. So is, that, <laughs> is that
3: you just
0: managing the whole time then? You're just managing where to send these builds and those sort Pretty of things much. and budgets and all the...
2: But I work. still like to do, like, uh, because I enjoy the builds, probably because I was that was my yeah, upbringing. Yeah. I I like to be a part of that process it's sometimes I definitely think I spread myself a bit thin um, but I will kind of gather a bunch of ideas for the illustrator and just sort of put these packages together to send to him and then we talk about ideas on the builds mm-hmm. the show I'm on right now is actually quite build heavy which is stressful because there's usually like three or four big builds per episode when it's an wow. eight-day turnaround wow. it can be a bit
1: yeah, that is under Tight. the
2: wire to get a custom <laughs> it piece. It is. I of mean anything. it really is yeah. luckily, honestly, we have some great vendors in town who are spectacular. I yeah. mean I I we well we couldn't do it. I mean, we get credit for it, which is wonderful. We we bring it to the table, but they make us look great too our vendors. I mean they really oh, do. You know. It,
3: it can be so busy in this town. You, oh, yeah. it, it's like going to the bread garden and picking a number and you're yeah. standing in line yeah. with, like, yeah. four other prop hmm, masters. Who am I going
2: to choose? And you, <laughs> yeah. you're looking around yeah.
3: the shop and you, you go, like, nobody has a clue in this city that if one of these guys, like, hurts himself oh, yeah. on one of these machines, you're going to shut down the entire town. Totally. Because yeah. we are all so dependent on mm-hmm. them and their building, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's...
0: So I think that's the second time in this episode that we've talked about fabricators and how needed they are in this industry. So those listening at home, if you can build stuff, um, there's an opportunity here.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, people can be territorial of their builders as well. Of course they can. Right? I I do like to sort of – it's hard because when they're starting out, you want to be like, okay, you should use so-and-so because – But then they get popular and busy and you're like, okay, just don't forget me. (laughs) Don't forget (laughs) that I've passed your name around, (laughs) you know, but it's, it, it is, I I definitely think there's a need. I would definitely say that there's a need in Vancouver for sure.
3: There's a need and there's, the trouble with the need is... It's the spaces, it's yeah. the cost, yeah. the well, sheer the expense yeah. of yeah. running yeah. a shop here yeah. in this town. And if somebody opens a shop and takes three, four months to try to get on their feet, yeah. it can usually do them in. Yeah. yeah. And now some of the builders, they're, well, Langley is starting to yes. get a lot more work. I One builder in particular so. has yeah. left New West and moved out to Langley yeah. because there's a business there and yeah. they don't have the same overheads. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a real concern. Yeah, it's not a basement on Granville Street. Well, it's not. Nope. And I
2: mean, the other thing is, is that I even see it with the buyers now, too. Like, it's a different time. Like, How do you mean? Well, I was, I bought for, I bought early on when yeah. I first started. And, and I mean... Well, first of all, we had pagers. You would get a page from yeah. your prop master, and you'd pull over oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and answer your phone call, and use a phone booth and call. You didn't get texts on the yeah, road, um, but traffic wasn't what it is right. now. Congestion yeah. wasn't as like it literally for what it takes now for for the buyers out on the road. I mean, I think they can do half of what we could do at one time hmm. just based on traffic alone. Right. Truly.
3: Well, Second was Bridge. You know. Yeah. 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 Okay, so it's you're crazy. in a production office in Burnaby. You get to work in the morning, yeah. so coming east is easy. Yeah. You don't even dare no. head back to the North yeah. Shore until like 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got a window of three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't get what you were going over there for and get mm-hmm. turned around and back across the yeah. bridge then you're in the gridlock going back headed the other way.
2: Like, yeah, I never you really, have to map
1: it. I never really mm-hmm. thought about that, but that's that's so true with a, a position like buying, oh, like yeah. it's like the production office location can actually critically affect their workflow. <laughs> 100%. It's like 100%. probably not something producers are or PMs consider when they pick a production office. They're mm-hmm. just looking at like, or even the amount of
0: time, you right, know, the, the amount of prep
1: know. you have before you go to camera. Oh yeah, And how much your buyer has to get
3: done. Within oh, it's those it's days. a hard
2: job. I mean, people don't people think, oh, it's a great job. I just get to sh- go shop for a living. It's not no. that. No, it's no, really pressure, not. Yeah. It's a it's it, a tough there's job. There's
3: a lot of pressure. And if you make the choice, okay, I'm going to hit New West first because yeah. there's that antique store, and yeah. I think I'm going to find what I need there. And you get there, and it's not there.
2: Then you're like. Well, yeah. No, now I you always... have to start looking at oh, yeah.
3: where's the next Let's stop close. I have mm-hmm. to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. how am I quickly can I get there? Because now I've just wasted this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, well, it's yeah. I always found that that's kind of reminds me of like when you're location scouting. Like if you're not producing files, people assume that you're being lazy, mm-hmm. and it's like no, like I'm I'm hunting for mm-hmm. this thing. I can't. You know, I can get an appointment two days from now mm-hmm. or you know, I shot it and it sucks, it's not even worth showing and it's like, you know
2: <laughs> and one day gone. Yeah, exactly. One day gone and Yeah,
1: and the clock's going, and then if you're on episodic, you're under that time crunch where you have to deliver. So
0: So how how much stuff do you actually like hold on to? How much stuff do you actually store that you can reuse? Is that something that's normal? Or We're hoarders,
3: I think, by I'd, nature. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know what you're Yeah. My house was purpose bought. So that I have my lockup in my house. Oh, wow. Okay. And the logic was when you're paying that overhead for a lockup yeah, versus using that same money to carry a bigger mortgage, yeah. it made more sense to work mm-hmm. for myself that way. So bought a house that in terms of square footage is 3,600 square feet, but we live in 1,800 square feet. My wife is a costume designer, so she has a lockup. <laughs> and I have a lockup. <laughs> so you guys both live in a lockup. And the things the things I tend to hang on to, okay, period stuff especially mm, right. because what it could take to find that piece mm-hmm. versus now holding on to it. I yeah. probably in my lockup I probably have seven big bins, but if it's a period show with those seven bins, I'm already out of the gate and I'm right. I've got a good start. And then the other things I hang on to are Oh, silly things. Like, I don't know how many fake magazines I <laughs> yeah. have for dressing yeah. SWAT vests and military yeah. vests. I've probably got, I don't know, 1,200. Wow. <laughs> you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And night vision goggle mounts and altimeters for halo jumpers and medical
0: i have a yeah, lot of medical, medical gear yeah medical gears as yeah. i understand is quite expensive if you do have to rent it anyways right? it
2: is and usually uh, you have to buy it in bulk as well right so you just if you hold on to it you hold on to it because then you're buying you're usually probably use like four pieces mm-hmm. and yet you're buying yeah. but i
3: you know you know mine i'll have an iv kit yeah so everything i need for an iv mm-hmm. Whether it's the retractable thing, if you want to see it go in, or the butterfly bandages, mm-hmm. or this or that, it that's all in a kit. And then I'll have the other kit for EGs or something. Mm-hmm. So I have all the plant-ons and all the wires and everything else. Everything's labeled that sort of way. I have a huge collection of badges because they're... They're expensive to mm-hmm. get and they're time consuming to get. Mm-hmm. So I've got like 22 FBI badges. I've got CIA. I've got U.S. Marshal. I've got Washington State Police. I've got Is Seattle RCMP Police. I've got, yeah. no, I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> uh, you know, and pilots, airlines, mm-hmm. yeah. like all their pins. So yeah. I've got one of those. And I've, it just, the things, when I start a show, I can quickly go into my lockup and mm-hmm. start pulling yeah. stuff I know I'm going to use. Commonly
1: used, check off those boxes, yeah. and then you're not in such a panic when you start something. Yeah. It always blows my mind how much stuff uh, props people have, and like what they have in the truck.
2: Oh yeah, I think it was actually
1: <laughs> on a show with you, and we they like added a dog for a background <laughs> that day. And the ADs are like, do you have a different color leash? And the, the props person is like, yes. And it's like, what do you have on? There? I <laughs> have know, six. Like, yeah. What would you like, like? <laughs> like?
0: What sort of bottomless it's pit? True. Yeah. Yeah, what what bottomless, are those trucks like? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're like kids' playgrounds, but for adults, like what what's in there? Just everything, anything oh, tools. Well, you need to be able to
1: solder and, you know.
0: Well,
2: you have and, your tool package, yeah. absolutely. Um, but also, I mean, it's coffee cups magazines, newspapers, I mean, yeah, but uh, I mean, your
3: truck would be set up differently than yeah. mine, like on episodic, there are ongoing things you'll yes. need. So you'll yes. need a collection of coffee yeah. cups, yeah. or you'll need a collection of mm. your yeah. police belts, or yeah. you'll need, you know, if you're doing yeah, for a, when they
2: ask for something last minute,
3: like limetown, uh, you know, we have yeah. reporters, so we need recor- recording equipment, we need reporter pads, we need headphones, we yeah. need this and that. So those my truck is set up in a way that a lot of it comes off the truck and then gets loaded Mm -hmm. like mine is more specific to the show i'm working on Mm -hmm. and i've built it in a way that i can adjust shelves and things depending on the size of things we need i have a gun vault in there you walk on any prop truck you're going to be exposed to fake money Mm -hmm. fake id fake license plates you're going to be exposed to all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that most people shouldn't even have their hands Mm -hmm. on yeah yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's,
0: it's, and it's that doorway, and you see it at circus or you see it on set, and it's like a doorway, and it, behind it is magic. Yeah, like every yeah, time yeah. I've been on there. Yeah. And there's usually like a little puff of smoke coming out where somebody's soldering <laughs> something or something. Yeah. Like it's such a mysterious place.
2: It is. I mean, it, 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 it definitely is. There, uh, well, you have to be, especially when you're on the road, you have to be prepared for everything. You yeah. don't know what, you know, when you're a studio show, it's a little bit easier. You're probably, we're largely studio now, so you have a big lockup that you could work largely out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but in lots of shows are road shows.
3: How many chairs do you have on your truck?
2: Oh, God. I have 22. Well, that's a good sway. <laughs> like, because
1: props, props get straddled with uh, a whole bunch of weird mm-hmm. things yeah. that mm-hmm. you wouldn't really think of. Like, how do you guys feel about props chairs? Or like Go director's ahead. chairs, like director's chairs. Or, excuse me, director's chairs. Yeah.
2: Go ahead, Dean. <laughs>
3: There are two views.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: One a lot of a lot of I'm gonna say younger ones Mm -hmm. coming up in the business think directors' chairs should be locations. Mm -hmm. And my point of view is some days directors' chairs are the only thing that'll employ me. Mm -hmm. If we have a blue screen day, Mm -hmm. they still need chairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also Mm -hmm. it's a time where I can put a chair out for an actor and it might be the only time during the day I talk to that person and I go, do you want your ring and watch? And this is what's coming up or what about this scrapbook we're talking about? You have a chance or the script supervisor. Well, we rely so much on a script supervisor professionally in terms of continuity and things Mm -hmm. as a respect for that person's position. Of course, I'm going to give them a chair. Right. And, you know, I look at these people and it's like, okay, what would you rather be doing? Like picking up 200 sandbags from (laughs) that back alley Mm -hmm. at East Hastings and schlepping those around or taking that dolly down that cliff in the mud and the rain or carry a few chairs. Yeah. Everyone has a crappy job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I half joke that it's in my will that I want to be cremated by a pyre of my own director's chairs. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, I like making the chair back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which then yeah. those
1: are yeah. part of the, the – they're part of the show. Like, it's well, like, it is. Yeah. It's a crew gift. Mm-hmm. It's part of the aesthetic, the feeling. I mean, it's not seen in the show typically, but like it is part of the mm-hmm.
3: – hmm. And it's – yeah, it's a pain. That part's –
1: Well, in coming as a locations person about that argument of like props versus mm-hmm. locations because there are some props people in the industry who are like, oh, that should be a locations thing, which is like – you know, and it's not even about the work of carrying or placing the chairs, but it's like, do you want the chairs that the cast and your director sit on to go into the same van yeah, as the garbage, garbage, right? Garbage. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the reality, right? It's going to get garbage juice on it yeah. if Locations garbage does juice. Garbage does juice. Yeah. <laughs> and we all
0: know garbage juice. Yeah. <laughs> <where it's laughs> yeah. what, what's, what's interesting too is, you know, using that as an opportunity to talk to cast or using that as an opportunity to talk to a scripty or something like that. And and, and doing the same thing in the office where you're putting mm-hmm. up pictures literally everywhere. So somebody <laughs> can give you a thumbs up about something you don't know what they're thumbs upping about. Um, it's so interesting to me that when you think about how important the props department is, not just to the running of a set, but to the actual like story and the characters mm-hmm. and, the, and the creative process of what that story is being told um that all that work still has to happen just to get people to get eyes on your stuff
2: oh yeah well, and it's gauging. You also have to gauge when yeah. you speak to the director, mm-hmm. when you speak yeah. to the actors. Really, a big part of it is that,
3: because mm-hmm. you
2: can catch them at a wrong moment, and you've got to know, and you anticipate, you see if they're focused. They're focused on their blocking. They're still thinking about it after. You know, it's a, that's a big part of it, is you really have to read them. You have to mm-hmm. read people.
0: Yeah, timing your authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Coming off that context, too, then, I'll ask that question again. It's like, what do you think makes a good prop master... Um, work or over person. over and over,
2: well, I think I mean,
0: be a pre person,
2: props master specifically. I mean, I was gonna say what makes a good onset, I find is say like is, somebody who works in props yeah well, you have to be be able to think quick in yeah. onset like you you really have to be able to. Well, anticipate, for one. And oh, anticipation's huge. A, a, a huge mm. Um Be looking ahead. Be thinking ahead. As I said, my onset, I, 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 I've watched him watching set. <laughs> and I can see him watching the director, watching the actors. And you see the focus. And you can see he's... I could see the wheels turning. Yeah. You know, I can see he's thinking, okay, what's he going to ask for? And he's there. He's there. Yeah. And he's got something he can see Mm -hmm. the direct like it's it's a big part of it and not everybody has that skill
4: yeah
2: not being able to get not getting flustered is a huge one there's a lot of onsets i think that really get flustered if something's asked for that's not prepped which that happens all the time you have to be able to just yeah
3: i I find the fluster that frustration comes from not being prepared
2: yeah yeah they haven't
3: prepared to go in to begin with they didn't read yes the work yeah. the day before they didn't look through the call sheet at wrap that night and mm-hmm. and talk to the say the truck person and say mm-hmm. okay how are we doing this tomorrow
4: mm-hmm.
3: this is going to be first up so this is what i need for rehearsals mm-hmm. and i mean anticipation for me if i build something it's sure they sign off on it mm-hmm. now what i start worrying about is how many different ways is this thing gonna mm-hmm. bite me totally. and yeah. where's it gonna <laughs> yeah. break and yeah. and what yeah. glue totally. do i need standing yeah. by do and do something. we have the proper charger yeah. and do we have enough batteries and do mm-hmm. we have this and the that. details and mm-hmm. it may yeah. never happen but at least you're ready for it yeah if you're not ready for it and it suddenly happens then you're going to be in a bad place no i and think that's... being
1: on a film crew it's kind of a competition to not being the person to hold
3: the bag of shit. yeah that's totally like <laughs> totally. <damn> promises, right? <laughs> totally i've seen totally. it where yeah, if yeah. somebody if you're on a crew and somebody there is a weak link how quickly other departments oh, yeah. will start distancing yeah. themselves yeah, yeah. from yeah. that department totally until that department's just a standalone yeah deer in the headlights mm-hmm. just about to yeah get shot between the ice yeah. yeah and they probably had it coming yeah this no part yeah i guess problem.
0: i guess even just to answer my own question there too is like the the what i'm what i'm here at least is like attention to detail mm. and being not just detail oriented but detail obsessive mm-hmm. um really does make a, a prop person in general
2: i think so i mean an organization is huge yeah organization is huge mm. i think like well, you go
3: in some trucks and oh. you don't know how they get the job done. Yeah. My truck, it's totally, mm-hmm. there are rules. And it's. Mm-hmm. I guess that was from working in a scenic shop. At the end of the day, you put tools away and mm-hmm. you sweep up. So the next yeah. day when you come in, you start your day fresh. You don't come back into that mess. Mm-hmm. And... At that 18th hour, you know where the screwdriver goes and you yeah. know where something has to go away. There has to be organization in that truck, mm-hmm. and it has to be organized in my world, anyways, in a way that if I have a day call, I can actually look at you and go, Okay, go into my truck on the left side, mm-hmm. yeah. past the vault. Yeah third drawer from the bottom you'll find the walkie-talkies or you'll find something else mm-hmm. right yeah. i know the truck well enough and i i get new people on the truck they're not allowed to reorganize my truck yeah.
4: mm-hmm.
3: they can personalize certain things but there's a certain way that truck's like laid their up. name tag on their drawer and that's about <laughs> it, <laughs> that's about <Yeah>. it. <laughs> because it, it's and i think it would be interesting if as as prop masters if we actually got together and Organize something like that so when that day call gets on the truck, it's there's not actually, a new truck yeah, and not that's, organized that's like differently yeah. than the, the last truck yeah. you were on. Yeah, it's like a are It's a shame that yeah. th- it's like this is sort of make sense. Yeah, it would like you get so into a, onto a like, grip truck or an electric truck or a camera truck yeah. or a camera truck, yeah. Yeah. they are laid yeah. out in a yeah. certain yeah. way, right? They are, yeah. But everyone, we, on the prop well, everyone, because there's
2: such different ways and personalities, I guess, too.
3: Like my favorite test for a buyer is. We need scissors. Okay. And they'll go out and they come back from the dollar store and they got a pack of four different size scissors and here you go. And I take the pack and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> and I was like, What? And I said, We're professionals. Yeah. Just like everyone else. So I don't need the set of wire cutters that are going to break in my hand. Yeah. I need the $50 pair yeah. that are going to last right. a lifetime. Right. Yeah. If I ask for a pair of scissors, I want a good pair of scissors. Right. Because our job, is just as professional as anyone else's job. Mm, right. And the tools we use just have to reflect good. that.
0: To that point, too, then, um, how do you look at being a prop master? Is it, is it a passion? Is it a job? Is it a lifestyle? Like, what what is it? It,
2: it is a passion. I mean, I don't think you could do it for that m- those many hours a day if mm-hmm. you didn't have passion for it. I don't think you could do the commitment. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do the commitment if there wasn't a passion there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a lifestyle at which, you know, You don't see anybody outside of a film set for as long as you do. Um, The hours are intense, and you never really complain about them per se. Um, Well, you should You 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 chose it. Yeah. I mean, managing expectations, which is something that a lot of people have said throughout this podcast. Yeah.
3: I I tell people it's it's like um, sort of a Peter Pan mentality. Yeah, that's you, know. you get to run away, and mm-hmm. well, literally, you're spending somebody else's money, money. <laughs> to create and do these amazing things. But it's not like being an architect where you build a building and then your estate is still responsible mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. it because the purpose has changed and it fell down, and now yeah. the estate's getting sued. Every project comes to an end, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a film or a TV series or whatever, and is seen, and that's the end of it. And then you move on, and and it does feel like you've lived a life within yeah.
0: that amount of time. And no, because no it, two—it's your entire life. No two shows are They're
3: the, the same. same. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you're reapplying what you know every time, and it becomes repetitive. Like some departments in our industry, I don't mm-hmm. know how they do it. Yeah, but within props, everything is different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how much you know.
2: You still learn something new. Add how it. you're
3: going to apply mm-hmm. that to the mm-hmm. next one, there's never a guarantee. I, I still, to this day, am getting stumped over how I'm going to approach a build mm-hmm. or how I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. And it's, you, you're equipped, you equipped, you have a lot of experience, you have a lot of tools to, to apply to it, but to sort of now have to come up with another idea of how to approach it because... The demands have changed. The ideas have evolved. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's a futuristic film or a contemporary or a period thing. It's things have evolved and things constantly change and things get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways you look at prosthetics, makeup, makeup effects, Mm -hmm. what they're able to do. We'll put that in our world. Yeah. And you look at how high-def the cameras are now. There was a time you could do something out Mm -hmm. of female clay and paint (laughs) it gold and call it a period (laughs) button. You can't anymore. Because that on the screen is just as vivid as anything else. Hmm. So it's constantly evolving. I think
2: that's where the thrill comes from, though, is that you are always learning and growing in it. You know, I, I don't think I could do a job that I was doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> I always knew that I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. So I think a part of the, the appeal of this industry for me is that every project is different and you get to learn something mm-hmm. and, and you always... Even if it's a useless fact, <laughs> you always learn yeah. something new, especially I, with the research, the amount of stuff. I always joke with my buyer. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, we're going to be like Cliff Clavin. Like when we're in the loony bin together, we're going to have all the useless knowledge that we've learned over the years <laughs> in film that we really probably never needed to know. But yeah. we'll have some interesting conversations. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean.
3: We, I, I call mine fear of failure. Yeah. Is probably yeah. the other side. Yeah. Because it mm. you can get you can evolve to a certain point and you've pushed your limit, but then the next one comes along and is even more challenging, and you wonder how far you can push it again, right or you get challenged with something like a real dark film, mm. and you have to go there, yeah, mentally, mm. you have to go there, and then there was this one, "Hold the Dark out in Alberta," and I talked to the production designer and went, "This is really dark, yeah are you sure you want to go there? Like, really? Yeah. It's like, I can take you there, but it's not going to be yeah, it's <laughs> what not you're thinking about. And so. it's, yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of the exciting part, yeah. isn't
0: it? Do you find like I when you so. are designing, researching, coming up with props for the characters themselves, because we, we've come up against this a couple of times, um, in something like Hold the Dark, um, are you putting yourself in the character's skin to you know, make these props to create these things to, you know, what, what kind of handle would be on this knife or, you know, what kind of gear you would be wearing as this character? Is that something that you do?
3: Like, no, I don't. Do you?
2: I, I, it depends. It, de- it depends on, on what it is. If it's something that relates to, to the story that like as you've talked about Dean you talked about the knife handle that you built like if it is something that you can Mm. make better for the character and for that storytelling absolutely but I don't know that I would necessarily get in that mindset myself Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna
3: get in the mindset of Tom Hardy yeah you're not method
2: prop master I've been
3: accused of being a method prop master have you yeah But because I care about some stuff that I'm asking about or it's really important Mm -hmm. to me, but nobody's thought about it yet. And you've read the script and you go, no, it is important that Mm -hmm. we talk about this right now, not on the day.
2: See, that's where I was saying props can be a nuisance because we do go there. We do ask those questions. I always ask those questions and I can tell I'm getting rolled eyes in the meetings because no one wants to answer them because they actually don't know and they don't want to think about it
1: well no in so much right? of film is like people don't want to get locked in right yes. like the second yes. they answer your yes. question they're locked in they're accountable in. you know like how many times yes. are you going to cut the cake
2: yes like yeah seven oh,
1: yeah. you know yeah. now there's no take eight yeah you gotta you know yeah. or whatever the number <laughs> yeah. it is you know
2: but responsibly <laughs> yeah. if you're budgeting you can't just do a hundred
1: so totally, how many yeah. is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. we
2: have an accountability on our end as well. Yeah. When we're budgeting, okay, I'm going to budget seven But that's takes. not my
1: problem. Yeah. You but know that, what I mean? It. And that's, that's like kind of the game. It's somebody's problem. Right? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah. But I do find like often, often, because I will will go into a, a meeting. So uh, the way that it's been, unfortunately, for me on all the shows is that I don't, I'll get a small props build meeting, but I'll always just be a part of the art department. Yeah. So I always type out my list of questions for the art department meeting and it's it's a novel. And I know that people are irritated. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, this is my time to ask these questions in front of everybody. Well when
1: you gotta get it on record I do. too, right? I do. It's gotta be in front of everybody. Because if if you have a conversation one on one, you know no, nah, I didn't say exactly. that. <laughs> I didn't mean <laughs> or it I that. Or I didn't that remember way. and maybe they didn't remember.
0: Well yeah, yeah, that's we that's it. And, and so then
2: everyone's yeah. everyone from the art department and and I know often it's like, oh, here she goes. She's gonna ask that question. But more often than not, it has opened up a conversation. Oh, I didn't think about that. Or oh, right. Well that applies to that. So it does. Mm-hmm. It does make a difference, even if people don't want to <laughs> acknowledge yeah. that. Or and it and it, it is making people think. We yeah. make we ha- we do. We have to sometimes make make people think.
1: And they resent you for that. They and do. Like, but oh. then they are
2: actually <laughs> grateful. And often afterwards, you get that, well, uh, I guess I can see why you had to ask. <laughs> you <know? laughs> It's mm-hmm. just, it's it can be, you know.
1: I feel like in some of these meetings, we need like filmic stenographers <laughs> you
2: yeah, yeah. sit in the
1: corner. like you read back the record.
0: Yeah, exactly. From, you know, like, yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But just, uh, we are we are running low on time. I think we're coming to our close. But we did have sort of one, one last question, one couple last yeah. questions about... Do you have a favorite prop or, you know, oh, a favorite nice. gag that you that's would do? It's a deal? light
1: question. That's It's nice. light. It's, yeah. Hmm. I don't,
2: I don't know that I have a favorite prop necessarily. I do, I did, um, Smallville for eight years. <laughs> yeah. And we did do a two part, um, Episode where we introduced a bunch of the Justice League characters, right? Hmm. And so we developed Green Arrow, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Black Canary, The Flash, uh, Doctor Fate. So all of these were within like a two-week Dr. Fate. period. Doctor Fate's
0: pretty obscure
2: too. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so impressed by yeah. your oh, comic yeah. book knowledge it, right now. It's well, <laughs> just your young teenage son must be so proud. I did of it. You. I <laughs> did it for eight years, yeah. so it was uh, very much my world. But. Um, We did make some unbelievable props in that too. Like we had to do all of them and it was helmet. It was a glowing chest rig for Hawkman. It was Dr. Fate's helmet and his bowling, perfect bowling ball that had bag that had to match. Like it was, it was so stressful. The amount of stuff that we had to do in that short period, but it, it actually looked amazing. And Mm. that was probably still even over all these years, some of the, funnest stuff your that we favorites. got. You yeah. felt like it yeah. yeah. crushed in. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty awesome. Do you have a most it... most
0: most promising up and coming prop that you have?
1: <laughs> How's your comic book knowledge? <laughs> Not <laughs> as good, <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> so that's it. Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of Podcasting Crew. Big thanks to Eugenio Bataglia of Pleasant Sound Media, huge genio, for recording and mixing this episode. Our podcast theme music is provided by Jeremy Wallace-McLean, and the series is produced and co-hosted by our very own Corey
1: Orban. Thanks, Goots. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting Crew wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on social media. We post cool stuff all the time, like every day. Give our series sponsor a gander at circushr.com and throw a like, share, or google search to our community partners, the Creative Industries Pact, and the First Weekend Club.